Welcome to the show. Great to be with you. In studio, Paul George. Deacon Bear. Great to be with you, Adam Paul. Conk, how are you? I'm doing great. I love your music selection. What? I don't even know what We're still celebrating the Easter season, by the we way. We are. Yes. And we got a great show planned for you, so thanks for listening in to the podcast or the radio, KLFT Radio here in Acadiana, where we are. It is springtime, and we are happy. We are happy. Do I sound happy? You do, actually. <laughs> uh, could it have anything to do with the ministry that you've been doing past few days? Yeah, good stuff, man. We just, Gretchen and I just got back from North Carolina, leading a marriage retreat. Mm-hmm. These are retreats that we actually plan, invite couples on. You go away, sort of a... You know, you get away, get away to, you know, a nice destination. Um, spend, you know, three or four days together on a retreat. It's good, really good. Had so a like wonderful a priest, mass, adoration, good sessions, prayer, great community time, meals, dinner, mm-hmm. the whole thing, man. It was just absolutely wonderful. Beautiful weather, scenery, the whole thing, man. You say you seem really. I'm really fired renewed. up. Like, like the graces that you know Gretchen and I received just by being a part of the retreat and facilitating it are wonderful. But like seeing the miracles uh, that happen in couples' lives, and look, mm-hmm. is, you know, not every couple comes in like having trouble in their marriage. But like, you know, you know the 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 grind of life and busyness and marriage and. Mm-hmm. It's rare that you just take time to be together, not only be together, but be on retreat together. Right. So, for example, a lot of these couples, every couple on the retreat was married over 10 years, uh, most over 15, actually, on this retreat. Hmm. And not one of the couples had been on a marriage retreat because they've been on vacation together or been to like maybe a, a talk at a parish or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. But never a retreat together. Right, mm-hmm. they go to mass and whatever, uh, but never retreat together. And it was just phenomenal to see them be able to spend time and dig in on things, maybe things they haven't worked on in a while, just because, like you know, you just don't take the time to do it. That's awesome. So it was like five couples, eight couples, what? Five couples, us, so six couples, um, a priest. Awesome. Yep, man. That sounds great. Could anybody go on these retreats? Like, how does this work? Yeah, yeah. It's not, like, exclusive, you know, but because they're a small group, they kind of fill up fast. And so Mm -hmm. when someone shows interest and and then we we get a group together and then we we do it, then, yeah. So, like, no, they're not exclusive. Anyone can certainly go. Nice. But they do fill up fast in supply and demand. But, yeah, we're going to have more this year, and and, uh, God's going to do good things. But, look— I mean, I'm certainly, and I don't think you would disagree with this. And if you would, we, I'd love to fight in this small little studio with you. <laughs> wow, that got out of hand pretty quick. Yeah, I have a taser in my backpack, and we could just really go at it. Okay. It'd be nice. But I don't think you would disagree with this thought, right? Is that, like, I, I really think, like, the 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 reconversion or just the the the, the change in culture and society will and has to happen through the family. Yeah. Through well, marriage, yeah, and that marriage. starts with marriage, right? So, you know, you you can't have a really a great family without a, a great marriage, right? 100%. I mean, you can have great people in the family, but the family itself, mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of the ways we image the Trinity. You know, the Father is the Father, the Son is the Son, and the Holy Spirit is the love that they share, all distinct, all distinct. And 
you can have good people struggling with family life. Like yeah. That happens a lot. 100%. And, but the family life needs its own special attention and care. It's and a sacrament. Is, and that is mainly marriage. marriage. Yeah. And it's one of the seven, and it's, it is important, and it's got a lot, and we could talk more about that. But, like, at the end of the day, uh, vocations come from families, uh, mm-hmm. the, you know, the whole deal. Um, you know, not, And not that you can't be a good person that doesn't come from a broken family or good family. Like, I'm not saying that. But, like... What I am saying is if you look at it in the world and you look at the attack on society and culture, uh, I mean, what is the enemy after? I mean, the breakdown of the family, not only divorce, but like confusion, like gender confusion, like everything, like identity, male and female, feminism, masculine, like everything is just like within that context of man and woman is under attack. And so mm-hmm. where is that affect? It affects marriage and family and kids and their future and generations and generations and generations. So if the enemy just wants to wipe the planet, just destroy the family. I mean, I hate to go that far, but like, honestly, like no, that, this seems to be a strategy. Like if you want to like boil it down to like, what's the solution. And then like culturally, like people don't want to like admit or talk about that. That's the solution. No, like we just want people to do whatever they want. Oh, so you don't want to fix fatherhood or like present fathers <laughs> or like commitment to one another or family or, you don't want to do that. You don't want to talk about that. You know, no one's agenda it, politically is that, you know, and if they mm-hmm. do talk about that, they get like, you're crazy, you know? So whose role is it? It's ours in the churches. Like the, the way you build back the culture of society and faith is 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 from the, the bottom up. And Jesus has a, a particular care for marriage and, and has given us Christians a particular role in restoring that. Because if you remember... The very first sin was with a married couple, hmm. right? Like that's what got us all into this mess. Those suckers <laughs> was a married couple not living their vocation well, and they messed up. I and forgive they messed them up. totally. Yeah. but you know, in the Old Testament, there still wasn't quite the redemption of marriage that that Christ can give us now. And our right. Lord talked about that. They asked him, you know, if can a man divorce his wife for any reason, whatever? And he says, well, yes, Moses allowed you to divorce your wife. Mm-hmm. Because of your hardness of heart, which apparently the old law couldn't fix. But from the beginning, it was not so. Right. And uh, Christ has the power to restore the marriage God always intended to bless the world. But only Christ has that power. Yes. Right? Like, only Jesus can do that. It's not like any self-help route or any other religion or any other person or any other strategy can ever restore marriage to what God intended to be other than Christ. And that's why the sacrament of matrimony is a sacrament. You know, it's it's not just a, a, a thing Christians do. It's the presence of Christ in a marriage to restore what God intended to bless the world with through marriage. And there's no other way. There's no other way. You know, and Adam and Eve, yeah, yeah, they sinned, they messed up marriage, uh, their relationship. But God didn't leave them stranded and abandoned, right? Like mm-hmm. God moves after them in the garden to restore the relationship with each mm-hmm. other, right? Mm-hmm. And with him. Uh, what is Jesus' first miracle? The it's wedding. wedding yeah. The wedding. The wedding. Feast at Cana. It wasn't just, it wasn't a ha- hap chance, like, oh, I'm accidentally at a party. <laughs> he was at a wedding. It's where, that's his first miracle, to bring back and to restore the sacredness of the relationship between mm-hmm. man and woman, right? Yep. Who else was present at that wedding that was very important? Our Lady. Our Lady. Mary. So she, the new Eve. Right. Makes sacred woman again. Like, like mm-hmm. you, you put it all together, and you're like, oh, okay. Like, this is super extremely important, you know? Mm-hmm. So we do these marriage retreats because, like, it, God doesn't want you just 
to be married. God wants you to have a fruitful, unified, holy, saintly, great marriage. He wants you to have a happy friendship. Like, like, mm-hmm. like he, like, yes, it's hard. Yes, it takes commitment. Yes, sacrificial love. Yes, we mirror Christ in all his forms in marriage, right? In his, in his life, death, and resurrection in marriage, in his sacrificial love, and in his joy, right? Like mm-hmm. we, like, but at the end of the day, God does want us to have a really great and, and, and um, joyful marriage, you know? So like, we're there to help people restore their marriages who are like really struggling, but at the same time, we're here to like pour new life into marriages that are committed and going. You know, so yeah. Well, and every every sacrament is an ongoing reality. But when we take the time to go on retreat or to get away or to just focus on, you know, our Lord honors that time, that sacrifice, that commitment with an explosion of His grace through that same sacrament. So think about like uh, the Eucharist, right? Like mm-hmm. obviously, when we go to Holy Communion, we get an infinite ocean of grace and we receive as much as we're uh, you know desire to in our relationship with the Lord, but there's an infinite ocean of grace, but how, so why do we need adoration of the Blessed Sacrament? Because in adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, the grace given to us in the sacrament is able to penetrate deeply and start to flourish and form our relationship with the Lord. Marriage needs marriage adoration, if you can excuse the analogy. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're married, right? But you also need time to sit and contemplate and rest in the sacrament you've received and let it penetrate your entire being. Let it become part of you and in you body, soul, and uh, intellect and will, because if not, then you are not actually participating in that sacrament the way you could. Just like with Holy Communion. We can go to a million communions in our life and never become a saint unless we allow ourselves to fall in love with the Lord and the Holy Eucharist. Mm. And we can be married for 50, 60, 70 years and never bless the world as God intended if we don't allow for things like this marriage retreat. So thanks for doing that for those couples, man. Hey, thanks for the couples for coming. I mean, there's some key moments in the retreat that are extremely important. You know, one is, yes, they get content, but they get time together to really dig in and talk about things. Mm -hmm. The whole goal is unity. You know, God God created marriage for unity, Mm -hmm. not for happiness. But when we're unified with one another, we're happy, right? Yeah. The two shall become one flesh to be union to be together uh and so we give real time for that there's communal time to eat and have fun and just all those things but we have adoration mass and prayer and those things like as a couple as you're saying are extremely important because those those are the things that sustain us mm-hmm. in our personal life and in our marriage and when we begin to do those things together you know our when we talk about unity in marriage we, we have three sides of marital unity um spiritual, emotional, and physical. And all those three have to work together. It's like a triangle. One of those sides aren't working well. There's a breach in there. The, the triangle falls apart. So you can have a strong spiritual base, but maybe emotionally you're disconnected, not good communication, conflict resolution, not really emotionally connected, or or, or physically, you know, um, giving the self-gift to one another. All those work together so that we dig into that. But at the center of all that is the sacraments. Yeah. It has to be. Well, because only Christ can, can restore marriage. He can He's only, only unify one. us. He's the only one that can unify us. Mm-hmm. There, there's no way. Like, we can't have a unified marriage on our own. That's what Adam and Eve, like, yep. you know, like, the, that's where failure comes Yeah, and in. the world's trying now, and because it, it, it knows it's going to fail, it knows it can't do it, it literally destroys marriage. 
right? So, oh, we can't figure this one out. So let's just call everything a man and everything a woman and marriage is just a construct because it, it's just despair and giving up. But that doesn't resonate with the human heart. Every little girl and every little boy dreams of starting a family and having kids and having a happy, holy marriage, right? Like they don't may not think of it that way of holy marriage, but that's what their heart wants. That's what we're created. We don't, we're not created for mediocrity or for just living, getting through life. Like we want what God wants for us yeah. deep down. Yeah. And brokenness and woundedness, sinfulness, um, blinds us from seeing who we really are. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what it does. It blinds us from seeing who we really are. We, we have confusion when we're blind. We don't know which direction or we can't see ourselves clearly. And anytime we've been, you know, caught in, in brokenness and woundedness from life or sin, like we, we just don't see in reality fully, you know, so you look at a world who's confused about marriage or about identity or masculinity or femininity. It's because it's blinded to the truth. Nature reveals to us who we fully are already. Yep. Like man is already oriented towards woman, towards marriage, towards self-gift, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and woman towards marriage, towards self-gift, towards sacrificial love, right? And when when that, yet when sin and, and woundedness and clouds that, like we don't fully understand that. And so we just gravitate to anything that fulfills the, the human heart, the desire, right? Mm-hmm. Anything. Um, but the beauty of God is as we see in scripture, like Christ comes to heal the wounds, to, to, to be the divine physician, to um, cure the sight of our blindness, and we can fully see who we are um, in Christ. And, and, and that's the beauty of it, you know. But, you know, yeah, I mean, we certainly look out in the world and, and see all the things. Yeah, as beautifully said, I, I, I'm reminded of Genesis, as you said that, where Adam finally knows who he is by looking at Eve, right? This one at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my Mm -hmm. flesh. Like he knows his bone, his flesh by seeing it in Eve. And that vision is only restored in Christ. Like through Christ, I can know who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, But through my marriage, Christ has called me to, he continues to reveal to me who I am, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. But only his vision makes that original vision possible. Yeah, I mean, what makes us humans different than an animal we have an intellect and a will a soul okay Mm -hmm. but you know a lion isn't born wondering if he's a lion Mm -hmm. right like he's just (laughs) natural um through nature like he just knows or you know the lion knows who the lion is yeah and and the lion lions do and what lions do and (laughs) and the male lion is is automatically oriented towards the female lion and they mm-hmm. reproduce and procreate and those lions just know what lions do what they eat what they breathe like there's no question like there's no lion roaming around or lying around lying around <laughs> wondering like who am i right. why do i exist what's my identity right you know what i'm saying like like all animals you look and like they just know by nature who they are their instinct right because we have a will, and correct me if I'm wrong, and a soul and an intellect, we often don't see who we fully are because we're blinded by wounds and sins, like mm-hmm. Adam and Eve were at the moment. But in a state of grace, we see who we fully are in Christ, in who God created us to be. So, so a little baby who, who's born and begins to crawl and picks up a Cheeto on the ground just smells it, texture, and just thinks, puts it in its mouth and eats it. It doesn't take it and like rams it into its ear. You know, like nature just 
no one taught the baby to eat the Cheeto. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've had nine kids too. Mm-hmm. Like it, one of the things that like I was not prepared for with having children is like all the all the natural instincts yeah. that just happen. And, you know, so our first baby's born, their doc, you know, they deliver. I've never been a part of this. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Baby's born, cut the umbilical cord. Thirty minutes later, this baby comes out of a woman's body. Mm-hmm. They put it on the woman's. Uh, chest my wife and the baby automatically latches on to feed mm-hmm. who taught that baby that <laughs> natural instinct mm-hmm. nature revealed wh- how to eat what to eat no one told the baby no you see what i'm saying well and i think what the sacrament of matrimony and taking time to meditate and experience that sacrament on like a marriage retreat or an encounter like that with your spouse you begin to reawaken your marital instincts. Because just like that baby has instincts of how to eat to survive, men and women really do have instincts put in by God, both of the natural instincts, but also supernatural instincts from the sacrament of how to be husband, how to be wife. And there's stuff in the way of those instincts, sure. Um, That's why it's important to get that stuff out of the way, the sinfulness, the pride, the bitterness, the lack of forgiveness, the pressures you might put on yourself in your marriage, it's definitely important to get all of that out of the way. But then there's also the need to be filled with Christ who who restores and fills up uh, those instincts of love, those instincts of unity, mm-hmm. uh, instincts of dying to self, of not getting easily offended. I mean, this is what St. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Right. There's instincts to love. It's kind. It's, and it's not because we get taught those things. It's not like when you get married... You go through a course on each of those things, like patience, kindness. Now, there are better things. You know, that's a good right. idea. Actually, right. that's a great idea. Maybe we should do that. But um, Which one? We'll go through First Corinthians 13, a class on each thing. Yeah. But it wouldn't work. Right. Because it's not something you learn that way. Yeah. It's something you learn from knowing Jesus. Right. And knowing what love is. And then you get this instinct of love to be patient and kind and not easily offended. Um, and that is the school of marriage that every kid needs to grow up in. Yeah, it's crazy. Like if you would travel or you do research or watch National Geographic or whatever, you go to these ancient tribes that exist in Africa or the jungles of South America. Uh, no one's taught them who they are, their identity. Mm-hmm. But it just, you know, nature reveals, oh, I'm a man, this is a woman, I'm attracted. Let's have a committed relationship. Let's, let's have offspring. And then let's stay together as a unit to raise these offspring together, mm-hmm. like like nature just revealed. And then and then their 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 intellect and their soul just said this this is right, this is good, this must be. And like no, they didn't study the theology of the body of John Paul II or even read a Bible or to even understand that. And yet there's no struggle in their identity. Like it's just right. like it's there, you know. And and here we are in like Western culture. You know, the first world, we have everything, all this on our fingertips, and our our society is just kind of like folding in on itself. Yeah. You know, because people don't even know who they are. And um, the structure of the family and marriage is is just completely, you know, under ruin in a lot of ways and attack. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think the great witness of our day, of our modern day, is going to be marriage. Married couples committed to each other who are just going to show the world what authentic love looks like, you know? Yeah, as a sign of Christ's love for his church. 
And I'm sure you, you talk about this on retreat. I just want to encourage every married couple to have hope because even though the world is collapsing, especially around marriage and, and family life, every Christian has, we, we all have everything we need to be fully, happily, wholly married together. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no um, reason that Christ is, is uh, that there's something in our way except ourselves, our own pride and ego and hurts and mm-hmm. pains, and those can be healed. And that's what takes work. And, right. and, and, you know, marriage, it does take effort, but everything does. And so mm-hmm. the things that are most important and the best things take effort to make better, and so does marriage. You have to tend to it, just, just like everything else. But th- this is the most important vocation you'll live, so you tend to it more. You, you take care of it. You, it's sacred. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break. Come back, uh, lots to talk about, including uh, Have You Seen? Healthcare that works better and costs less? Seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show, Greed. Great, great to be here. Wow. Tony Tiger over here. <laughs> You're great. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio. Um, what did you do this past weekend? Do you even remember? <sighs> you know what? I had one of the best weekends Whoa. in a long time. Wow. Yep. Well, we had our uh, school gala, annual gala, uh, and guest speaker this past weekend, which is Dr. Kevin Roberts, who founded the school, and it was just a great, and it was awesome. I loved it. Great event. Everybody who did it, awesome. But attending the event was some friends I've made recently from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And oh, wow. I, I went there a couple months ago, and they were just so hospitable, and it was such a great experience. And so I really want to show them a good old Cajun time. Yeah. And uh, and we, it, we did. That's great. It was great. So what's a good old Cajun time? For well, those who aren't from down here or Idaho, and they come down here. Well, they had like, what, 72 hours? They mm-hmm. flew in on a Friday afternoon. They were leaving on a Sunday Sunday at noon. Mm-hmm. And we had to, it happened to be Festival International. Okay. Um, anyway, they got here Friday. We did a, a faculty get-together with crawfish. Got to eat crawfish. So I made a crawfish etouffee. I must say it was probably the best one I've made. You cooked it for the whole mm-hmm. faculty? Well, not the whole faculty, the ones that could make it. Okay, got you. Um, and, and our guests, which was about four. Okay. Of this school. It's a small school. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, and then Saturday morning we would have uh, Mass in St. Martinville. Went to the Evangeline Oak next to the Tesh. Weather was perfect. Uh, brunch. G- gave him a good old... Cajun brunch. Cajun brunch. Mm. French omelet and uh, crepes. Ooh. Wow. And uh, then they went to the gala, and then they went to Mass in Brobridge the next morning, and... There so, you go. I mean, it was it was. They loved they loved it. That's great. They, none of been none of them had been to Louisiana except one. Um, so it was, it was a good old time. Well, look at you. And the weather was perfect. Mister Hospitality. I'm trying. Yeah, 
I'm trying. So well, good. they were so good to me up in Idaho, so mm. I uh, I had to had to do my best. Well, great. Yeah. Well, we both had great weekends. Um, so speaking of that, do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though. Yeah, I got a kick out of this because the gospel readings have been uh, had a theme the past couple of Sundays, but um, or Sunday and during the week. But in Boise, Idaho. Speaking oh. of Idaho, Ooh. I didn't even <laughs> didn't even do that on purpose. Wow, Boise, Idaho. Um, there's a situation with sheep. Uh, I've been reading a lot about sheep. Talk to me. Late April. It's kind of weird. So a couple of weeks ago. So up there, and I saw this a little when I was up there. But you know, wildlife will just cross the road. Okay, it just happens. Yeah, because like a deer, a lot of rural areas, elk, mm-hmm. whatever. Sheep, even. Wow. Well, wild sheep. Yeah. No, I don't know. That's a good question. I just threw that out. The to picture you. seems like they aren't wild. Yeah. Well, but there are a lot of them. So twenty five hundred sheep. Whoa. Crossed the road up in Boise, Idaho. Behold the uh, lamb. A couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Well, it took a while. They cause a like a traffic jam. Big problem. Yeah, but it became more of a spectacle than like a problem. A crowd of about three hundred people of people trying to cross the road on their cars started to gather just to watch it happen. Okay. Um. And uh, anyway, it's twenty five hundred sheep. Can you imagine? That's crazy. You know, I often wonder like. You know about shepherds how hard was it to herd sheep and it, it was a difficult job you know mm-hmm. hey, this is kind of crazy but i've been reading a lot about shepherds and sheep have you yeah it's weird it's I so weird that, that you bring I, this up yeah yeah and it's random i don't read about shepherds and sheep randomly <laughs> but this is bonus content by the way wow yeah so only the people who are listening to the show get to hear it. get this bonus content only listeners yeah <laughs> Always love when like people are doing shows. You know, they're like, "Oh, if you subscribe, right? And if you donate, <laughs> you'll get our bonus content." Good voice. And then you. you're like, "What's the bonus content?" You know, like, and it's just them talking about something else that's not on the show. It's such like trickery. So here's the deal: you'll get your bonus content if you actually listen to our show. So the bonus content is this, Adam. Is that? Uh, um, oh my god! I'm potentially working on an Advent guide devotional for men. Of course, you are for this Advent. That's exciting. Yeah. Now, when I say potential, like you know, I'm kind of working on it, but it has to be done by a certain time to be done for this Advent. Mm-hmm. Okay. All that being said, so the reason the reason maybe, one yeah. this is bonus content is because no one else knows about it. Wow. Other than the people who are listening. So to now the you show. know who, who's actually listening. Yeah. The other reason that it's bonus content <clears throat> is that uh, the theme of it is around the Good Shepherd. Wow. And so I've been reading about shepherds, sheep, this whole relationship, and I've actually learned a lot. I've been really intrigued by this. Hmm. This is a big deal. Wow. Yeah. It's awesome, man. Well, it's certainly a constant biblical image, Old and New Testament. Right. You know, so Psalm 23, the fam- famous psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. I mean, for God to, to to be imaged as a shepherd, obviously that's important, right? Mm-hmm. And then Jesus in the new covenant is the good shepherd, right? He, the, the, the image of the Father through Jesus, right? And so, like, th- those two on those bookends, but 
the even the importance of the human shepherd, you know, for all of Israel, the old, old covenant was important, like the the job, the role, the duties of a shepherd. It wasn't like this job that was like, oh, you're a shepherd, like don't come into my house. Like <laughs> sheep were important, lambs were important, sacrificial mm-hmm. lambs all through even the Old Testament and Jewish Jewish culture, right? And so I'm learning a lot about it. Wow. And then, awesome. yeah, it's bonus content. That is some bonus content. You know, I wonder, uh, I've thought, you know, 2,500 sheep reminds me of this, how, you know, the importance of a shepherd being the shepherd. Earlier you talked about animals being comfortable, like lions being lions. Mm. You know, as as Christians, our main our main job is to be sheep. Sometimes we don't think about that. And sometimes the shepherds please, aren't, please do. aren't leading us in the right direction. Give me some bonus content. But that's here. our identity, right? Is a sheep of the good shepherd. Oh, of the shepherd, yeah. Of the good shepherd. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it, a few episodes back, we talked about this guy who lived as a sheep. Remember that for a couple I don't of remember days? That he dressed as a sheep, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's like what we should be doing necessarily to get a sense of what it's like to be a sheep, but. Um, at least from a spiritual standpoint, there's few things that rub against my pride and vanity and self-reliance harder than to say, I need to be a sheep. Because hmm. sheep are so docile. They just do what they're told. Right. They eat where the shepherd leads them. Like, there's no... But there's they do no require guide. a lot. Like, sheep, you know, thrive with water and green pastures and, like, mm. good food. And so, like, a skinny sheep, a sheep that is malnourished is not good. Mm-hmm. They don't have meat on its bones. They're not good for sacrifice or for dinner, or their wool isn't good. So you need all those things. Sheep are important, very important, right? And they're not like these dumb creatures, but like they, they, they're not. They don't have big claws. They can't really defend themselves, right? You know, so wolves can come and steal and destroy and kidnap and eat. And and the reason they come after sheep is one is because they're they're easy to get to, but two, they can't fight back. But they're they're scrumptious. Yeah, they're scrumptious animals. They look delicious. I mean, have you ever had lamb chaps? Pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's that talk about bonus. Yes. Meals. I've you know? had bone and lamb chops. Yeah, exactly. Bonus. So the shepherd protecting this flock uh, that is important for you know the herd, society, food, you know, wool, the whole thing, and making sure that the sheep stay together in community. They stay fed. They stay in green pastures around water. They stay protected. The shepherd's role was that, and the, and the sheep learned to hear the shepherd's voice. The, the sheep learned to navigate where the shepherd is, and that's all important. So when you talk about us being sheep and lamb, it's not that we're, like, helpless, but when it comes to our surrender and our relationship with God, yes, that's mm-hmm. who we are. We're not God. And as soon as we become gods in our lives, that's when things fall apart. Like, we become the leader, the narcissist, the one who's making decisions. God is Arthur of life. He is our good shepherd. And and as much as we can stay close to him and hear his voice, he will lead us to green pastures and still waters and nourishment uh, to all the places that are that are good for us. Man, that's profound. Hmm. I'm excited. So this is an Advent reflection for men yep. on the good shepherd. Just, just for men. And what a challenge to men, right? Like be a better sheep. Um well, the, the the journal really is going to be, like, through the lenses of a shepherd. Like, how do we become like God as a shepherd? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, and like Jesus as a shepherd so that we can lead our families and our flocks 
like a shepherd. Ooh, bonus. That is bonus. Okay, FYI, I haven't written it yet, so if it doesn't come out like that. <laughs> but it is it on the docket. Sounds like you just wrote it on air. Well, I mean. Just, just you know, publish that. It takes time. <laughs> so pray for that, by the way. But, you know, it's been interesting. We've been hearing, actually, the reading. It's so interesting you bring this up. And I, and maybe it was, like, in your subconscious. Um, There's not much there, by the way. Yeah. Subconscious. This is no big folder that pops open. Mm-hmm. But we've been hearing about, like, slate. the Good Shepherd you know, the shepherd readings, the good shepherd oh, yeah. readings on Sunday. Um, so that's been cool, you know. That has been um, cool. And the gospel we hear this Sunday uh, from John 14 uh, is one of my favorite lines in all of Scripture. Uh, this week we actually celebrate the feast, I don't know if you knew this, of Saints Philip and James. Oh, yeah. James the Lesser. Poor guy. And St. Philip, both apostles. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel sorry for him. I'm like <laughs> poor James the Lesser. You, if if it was like Paul the Lesser, but that's I how you were forever of, known. But I was one of the twelve. Yeah, you got a point. I mean, you know how many people weren't part of the twelve? That's true. I'm glad you feel that way. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to see the positive side. Yeah, yeah. Now he does share a feast day with another. He didn't get his own. That's right. But Philip, Philip and James were you know connected anyway. One, one of my favorite lines in all of Scripture is in this gospel reading, John 14, um, 1 through 12. And, um, and Thomas said to him, Master, uh, we do not know where you're going. How, how can we know the way, right? And Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that famous Scripture. Like, if you know me, you also know the Father. Um, and Philip said to him this line, Master, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. That's what, wow, that's what she, like, the shepherd is enough. The shepherd will lead me. The shepherd will take care of me. I can rest knowing I'm protected in, in the arms and in the presence of the shepherd. And as soon as I get out of the reach of the shepherd, I go off on my own. What happens? I get eaten and destroyed by wolves. I fall off a cliff. That's why we have these images of, like, a shepherd, you know, or Jesus carrying back the sheep that's been, like, broken or hurt, right? Mm-hmm. On his shoulders. You know? Show us the Father and that would be enough. Like, that that's enough. That's all I need. I mean, that's a pretty powerful line. It's a very powerful line. Very challenging to, uh, to men in particular, I think, because... Because is, is it enough? Is that enough? Is that really all we need? And then to say that every day... Show us the Father, and that's all we need. Mm -hmm. Because the Father does lead us to whatever we need that day. Yeah, we need grass, too, and we need safety and all those things, but it's the Father who leads us Mm -hmm. to that. Um, And as soon as, like, the Father is not enough for us, we we fill our lives with other things that seem to satisfy us. I mean, and we can all admit to that, right? And that's sort of, I think, the human struggle. But to go back to the voice of the Father, to go back into the presence— to go back and lay in green pastures with God, to be, you know, in relationship with God. I mean, we talked about this with Adam and Eve. Like God, the shepherd, went in search for them in the garden and found them. Like, come back to the flock. Come back into the fold. Come back into my voice, into my reach. And God constantly does that for us. Like, he, he doesn't want to abandon us or leave us stranded. Like, he comes in search for us, you know. But the further and further away we get, 
we tell ourselves that the voice of the Father, we can't under, understand it or recognize it anymore. Well, that's one of the reasons we have these readings during Easter, preparing for Pentecost, because the voice or the breath of the Father mm-hmm. is the Holy Spirit. Mm. Yeah, I mean, what did the prodigal son tell himself when he sinned and blew all his money? The Father will never take me back. Mm-hmm. Let me just go back as one of his servants. Right. And the opposite was true, right? The father took him back into his home, had a feast. But what he told himself was a lie. He told himself, I am unworthy for my father's love. My father will never take me back the way I was. And that was not true. And sin, the enemy, speaks those lies to us. I'm unworthy of love. I'm unworthy to come back to God, to the church, to the father, to Christ. Right? Like, And and all those are lies. Because God the Father comes in search for us. The Good Shepherd, his voice is constantly calling out to us to come back. But the lies work. Do they? When ever? when the voice of the Father is not known, understood, but he's speaking. You know, even from, you know, in the prodigal son situation, he went off to a distant country. Even when he was in a distant country, the father was looking for him, mm-hmm. speaking from his heart, maybe not with his voice. Maybe he was, you know, my son, where are you? My son, come back. Maybe he said those things. But the distant country creates a scenario that we can't hear the voice of the father. That is the Holy Spirit, the very breath of God. And there's a, a need. St. Paul talks about this. There's a need to go from this newborn babe, food of newborn children, into the deeper stuff of the spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And and this need that we have for the Holy Spirit to become our teacher, that we don't need earthly teachers after a certain point in the spiritual life. And he's not saying, like, we become um, church unto ourselves. What he is saying is that every Christian should have a goal of hearing the Father's voice by the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. Because if that's not your goal you're not really following the shepherd. You don't follow other sheep. You follow the shepherd. I can't just follow Paul to eternal life. You, Paul. Or St. Paul. Right. I follow Jesus to eternal life. I f- show us the Father. Right. Can and you Jesus shows Jesus us that? the presence of the Father. What the, the apostles didn't realize is that they were looking at the right. face of God the Father. Do you not Father know who I am, Philip? I've been right. with you all this time. Mm-hmm. But isn't that the amazing thing is that in the presence of Christ, the heart still longs for the Father. Right. And Christ is not offended by that because that's that's accurate. But then he says, that's who I am. Correct. I'm the face of the Father. And when Jesus speaks, which is the breath of the Holy Spirit, he speaks the Father's words as he mm. tells us. I only say what my Father tells me. I only do what my Father tells me to do. Or what I see the Father doing, actually. Right. And that is... It's hard to explain to men of the flesh how to live a spiritual life. And this is why... Christianity is often imitated, but but rarely like actually lived out. It's not because we're not reading the life of Christ enough necessarily, or reading the moral teachings of the church enough. It's because in the depths of our hearts, we have to hear the Father speak to us by the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Word He's saying is His Son Jesus. And that connection of hearing the Father's voice, the Good Shepherd's voice, makes us sheep, makes us His, makes us belong to Him. That leads us to the green pastures of heaven. And even in this life, nothing else does. Right. Um, hmm. And that dimension is only possible because Christ is risen from the dead. He's alive. He's not dead. He's not a dead word. The Father doesn't speak a dead word. 
doesn't speak a word to us that doesn't live anymore. There's no wasted word. No. Nothing's wasted in God. God doesn't waste his time, his breath. It's all meant for purpose and meaning, right? But as men, how can we be shepherds if we're not, if we're not speaking the same breath? Yeah. Like we have to speak by the Holy Spirit as men. Mm-hmm. And if we're not willing to go that far with our spiritual life mm-hmm. to where every word I utter is going to be God's word, yeah. everything I do is going to be what I see the Father doing or I hear the Father saying, then we're just playing. You know, like being a man, being a shepherd means I'm going to live by the same spirit and breath that God does. Mm. And nothing short of that. And that's how you shepherd with God. That's how you become a shepherd after God's own heart. Yeah, we were talking about this on the marriage retreat this weekend, and the priest we had, the chaplain with us, um, made this amazing analogy. You know, as parents, particularly talking to the men, that, you know, we're called to protect and and shepherd our, our family, you know? And there's spiritual protection. He says, you know, when, when a man is living in a state of grace and uh, with the Lord, uh, all the doors in the house and the windows are closed, protecting the family from the evil one. But when a man is living in mortal sin, away from God, it is like, man, he, and he said, he, it is like the man opens up all the windows and all the doors for the enemy just to come in freely into his home hmm. and attack his family, attack his children. And it was just like a powerful image to realize that the spiritual realities that happen are real, you mm-hmm. know, um, and the enemy is after us. But but it's not complicated. It is it is being close to the Father, like it's being in relationship with God, it's hearing his voice. You know, so, you know, we talk about the prodigal son, like you mentioned, it's like, yeah, he, he came back, but he didn't even recognize himself. Like sin had just, he couldn't even recognize himself. And we're talking in the first segment how like sin, like people can't even recognize like truth or love or dignity or who they are. Yeah. Right. Like every, you know, people are confused and you see it in script. Like he was, um, confused about who he was. He couldn't even recognize himself, but, but what did his father recognize? He recognized him as his son. Like, he, he wasn't like, I don't recognize you anymore. Go be my slave. Mm-hmm. I mean, he saw him at a distance and recognized him. That's what a shepherd does. Sees his son, his child as for who he is and brought him back into the house, cleaned him up so he can recognize himself again. And that's what God wants for us, to recognize who we are fully alive in God. And, and that's why we go to reconciliation, receive the you. We, we're in relationship with God so we can recognize and you you feel far off or whatever far away like don't tell yourself that you're unworthy like god loves you and wants you to come back and he knows your name your real name you know who you really are he mm-hmm. calls your name yeah that's the what's one the Carnegie one of the carnegie principles of making friends or whatever like people the sweetest sound in the world for people is their own name mm-hmm. is it so they say so they say. psychologically so they say well, there, there's a spiritual resonance to that. I mean, we have an eternal identity that God has loved us, but from before the world began, from the founda- before the foundations of the world, like the Father has prepared a place for us, a relationship with us forever. Um, and that relationship, that personality of who we really are, has a name that only He knows. Hmm. We don't know it apart from Him. The world certainly won't give it to us. The only way to hear our name, that it real, our real name, is from the mouth of the shepherd. So we, 
we hear his voice, we begin to recognize it in the Holy Spirit, and then the Lord speaks to us, his one the Father speaks to us his one word, Jesus, his son, to say, my son, my daughter, and we hear our name in the only way we can from the lips of Jesus himself. Amen. Okay. All right. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844 387 8533. That's Solidarity Health Share, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George Deacon. Adam Conk the Bear in studio. Here we are. Um, hey, hey, what's going on? Living the dream, man. Are you really? Dude, God loves me despite all of my many shortcomings and faults. Really, does he? My wife really loves me. Really? My kids? Hmm. I mean, what could you ask for other than that, you know? Well, that's what I'm wondering. I'm living the dream. Wow. I mean, how do we even... How do we even, you know, <laughs> I just don't even know how to explain it. <laughs> you had a loss for words. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. That answer. No, I'm living the dream, man. Wow. I'm living the Catholic dream. Wow. I can go to mass like every day if I want. You know, I serve mass and I go to confession to get my sins forgiven. I could be with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Life as a Catholic is pretty good. It's pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, I, I hang out with the shepherd. All the time. Hmm. Now, I'm not the best sheep all the time. You're not. But I get to hang with the shepherd all the time, so I'm very grateful. Okay. Well, speaking of uh, of that, um, do you have a weird Catholic stuff? What? Say what? Say what? That's some weird stuff. No, you're weird, man. Why do Catholics do that? You're weird. You're weird. You know, if you weren't weird, people would be Catholic. There's no telling what you're coming up with today. Like, you've just been in the weirdest mood. Yeah, I have been in the weird weird mood. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I was looking up uh, just strange patron saints or strange saint stories, and I found a lady I've never heard of, and she's got quite a martyrdom story. Really? That makes her the patron saint of toothaches. So you've had toothaches before. Yeah, sort of. Not really. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, I've never had them. Um, <clears throat> St. Apol- Apollonia. Apollonia? Apollonia. Hmm. St. Apollonia. She's a patient of toothaches. Okay. But her story is something. Okay. Um, she lived in Egypt in the second century. Okay. So very early. Yeah, good for her. Yep. <laughs> and uh, anyway, like most Christians at the time, her life was threatened. You know, she was... Uh, demanded that she renounce the faith. She refused. 
And here's what happened next. So they tied her to this uh, pole. Okay. And start to rip her teeth out one by one. Wow. Mm -hmm. Sounds amazing. And that didn't work. So she kept professing her faith uh, in the in the midst of this terrible torture. I mean, if you can imagine, one tooth at a time, that's pretty rough. They had literally taken all of her teeth out. Wow. And she she still was praising God and proclaiming Christ. So I can think of worse things that happen, but I won't say that right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they threatened to burn her. Um, they threatened to rape her. Mm, that sounds horrible. And here's what happened. This is kind of the, the weird part that I want to hear what you think. So after all this, her teeth were gone. They just kept torturing her. Yeah. Okay. That's not even the weird part. Okay, I get mean, the, to the weird part. So the, here's the weird part. So they th- they're threatening to do more to her, right? Mm-hmm. And she sees a, a an opportunity. They're, they had a big fire. They're like, we're going to burn you in this fire. So she takes off and runs into the fire. Okay. And dies. Really? On, she, like she chose to go into the fire. Yes. And I wanted to bring this up because this is weird. Okay. And see what your thoughts were okay. about this saint who, who's called a martyr. Okay. Who was definitely tortured. So what are, what are the doctors of the church say? But she jumped in. Is that her death was imminent anyway or what? That's a great question. Because, like, is this suicide? Like, what's going on? Well, I've never heard about like, her in particular, but St. Augustine writes, in his time, there was a similar situation of a group of virgins who were being uh, persecuted, and they were threatening to rape them. Okay. <clears throat> and they were consecrated virgins, and so they ran. But they ran to, like, the top of this cliff, and they were being chased, mm-hmm. and they decided to jump off the cliff. Okay. So it's kind of similar in that to save their virginity... They jump off a cliff. Um, and he said that this is allowable by a special grace and inspiration of the Holy Spirit that they received. Okay. But it is not, in general, the the right thing to do. Like, right. in other words, like, it was the right thing to do by a special inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But, yeah, in any other circumstance... Uh, that is not advisable, which I guess that would apply here to Apollonia. Yeah, I think probably because her death was imminent, like it was happening. Right. You know. She was going to die. She was going to die, and they were going to throw her in the fire anyway. And so by choosing, she was basically saying, like, I choose to die for Christ. You know, mm-hmm. like, I'm making the choice to die for him. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, and not be defiled by... So what's the it's weirdest part of that story for you? The she took off running into fire, and we call her a martyr, like she's a saint. Um, it kind of blows my mind. Like, uh, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Would you? Now I don't know. I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever going to threaten to to they molest might. me or anything. No, but. no, no. But like, if like they they had you, you know, hogtied. Mm-hmm. Or not. Pulled totally. all my teeth out. Yeah, pulling all your teeth out. They built a fire and said, we're throwing you in there. Would you be like, I'm going to jump in anyway? Like, before you throw me in, I'm choosing to die for Christ. Well, now I know it's an option. Or would you just say, yeah, throw me? Mm-hmm. I think before the story, I would have just said, whatever. I, I won't I won't give in. But now I know it's an option Yeah. to just take off Yeah. and do it myself. Mm-hmm. So maybe uh, things change now. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. What That's about good. you? I don't know. I think they, 
I would choose to be tased. I was like, any other options? <laughs> I'm into tasing these days. Do you actually have a taser? You I don't, but okay. I would love to tase you. Wow. Yeah. For fun. Right. Yeah, like like not hurt you. I never said that. Those words never came out of my mouth. Right. I would like to tase you, though. Okay. Like, I'd like to see you scream <laughs> and, like, laugh. I never said I would hurt you, but I want to yeah, yeah. make you uncomfortable it would just to the be point funny, of screaming. Like, as a practical joke. Right. Well, I better watch myself But then I'd you. buy you lunch or something after weird, you know. I'll take that. If you put me through that, but then you make up for it, right. go for it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So now you know the story of St. Apollonia, patroness of toothaches. So she is the patroness of toothaches. Mm-hmm. Mm. Who ran into a fire with no teeth. Um, so I'm going to suggest two, you know, kind of ways to pray today after the show. One, <laughs> to St. What's her name? Apollonia. Apollonia. If you have a toothache, she's your girl. Um, and to not get too spiritual here, uh, but uh, the Holy Family. How about that? For your marriage. So we talked ah. a lot about marriage. Pray to Mary and Joseph. And Did you just say not to get too spiritual? <laughs> it was a sort of sarcasm <laughs> there. Because we were talking about the patron of toothaches. You know, like we were oh. really off course there. So, which, by the way, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but there's an image uh, of a shepherd, Joseph as a shepherd, a shepherd of his family. Really? I didn't know that. No. So, yeah. That's neat. I mean, he's never referred to it in scripture. Right, right. But you could assume. There's a painting of him as a shepherd. That he he is the shepherd of his family. Well, man, I want to get that. Well, you're going to paint it. I don't know if you want me to paint. I'm commissioning you. Okay. Is that what you do when somebody does a painting? Sure. It'll yeah. be a very abstract, Ooh. modern rendering. Hey, um, Because I don't know if I could do anything else. Yeah. Like, you have to really try hard to see Joseph in what I would paint. Okay. Which may be the point. Like, you got to Ab- look, look for it. Abstract. Look for it, yeah. Well, great show today, man. Yeah, I have no idea what there. you <laughs> talked about. But you definitely added some bonus content. <laughs> so... Thanks, everyone, for listening in. KLFT Radio, uh, the podcast, wherever you are, share the show. Um, go to holygrit.org, uh, paulgeorge.la to get the book or any other information you want on the show or resources. And we'll talk to you next week. God bless. God bless.